Ryder Nation and William Powell bringing the energy, bringing the fight, bringing the fire every game day, every practice. Let's go, Ryder Nation. I'm ready. I'm ready. This is the Piffles Podcast, your premier Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Alex. I'm Steve. And I'm here, I guess. I don't know. Am I here? Are we here? Who? I'm feeling Steve, philosophical. Did you hear something? Hmm? Steve, did you hear something? I didn't hear a damn thing. Damn right. I thought I, I, thought I heard Greg, but uh, I guess not. Give us a follow on Twitter at Piffles Pod. You can give me a follow at Real Alex D. So find me at Safamod. And don't follow me at Greg on Sports. I'm sick of begging for your likes. <laughs> but you'll take them. I'll take them, but I'm not begging anymore, damn it. Speaking of likes, give us a like on Facebook at PifflesPod and check out the website, pifflespodcast.com. We're actually on the website again, so that's kind of sweet. Um, guys, this is exciting. We finally have football back. Of course, Piffles Podcast is brought to you by Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Check them out. And we're also a proud member of the CFPN, the Canadian Football Podcast Network, and a part of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. Let's waste no more time. Let's get right to it. Time for the opening kickoff. I'm not even going to laugh today because football is back. Football is back. And that's a reason for no joy? We're uh, recording this on Wednesday, but by the time people actually probably listen to this, it's Thursday, which means Thursday night football, the first game of the year, Hamilton at Winnipeg, rematch of the 2019 Grey Cup. You guys, after over 600 days, we finally have the CFL back, and I can eat some crow because I had some doubts whether this was actually going to get going on time in August, and sure enough, they did it. So props to the CFL. You guys did it, and we have our league back. I feel like, and it sucks that the Red Claws are here, because I feel like I should be uh, humming some bars of long live the night. Like, you know, Red Sky fight. Let's do this right now. I'm not going to do it. But <laughs> I, that, that song is imprinted in my head forever. I don't care if it's back or not. I'm going to miss that song. I don't even like the song, and I'm going to miss this stupid thing. I'm not going to miss it at all. <laughs> Not even the slightest little bit. Even though, like, humming a few bars just irritates me. Don't do it. Every time someone goes under the gun on third and one, we send up a little love to the Recklaws. But we'll have a new uh, song starting up here on Thursday night for that first game. And let's just get to the – we could do our picks a little bit later on for the week. I should probably put that in the lineup. Anyway – Let's get to this Ryder game. The Riders hosting BC on Friday night. That's what we're here to talk about is Ryder football. And before we even get to the game itself and some, some Ryder news and stuff, I want to talk about the pregame. They're telling everybody, be in your seats by 7.15. The game starts at 7.30. They're going to do, I guess, a thank you. I don't really know exactly what they're going to do. I'm assuming it's probably a tribute to healthcare workers and thank you and probably some emotional video and we're all going to see it and tear up and this is normal for us. We have football back and how emotional do you guys think this pregame is actually going to be here on Friday night? Not at all. I feel nothing. No joy. But mucho football football is life. Bring mucho mucho joy. God bless Ted Lasso. <laughs> but, uh, it's I don't know. Like it's easy for me to sit here and go, hey, whatever you know, video. I'm the world's biggest sucker when it comes to emotional movies, and it's it's not dusty in here. Who's crying? You're crying. No, it's it's. I know going the other day with my kids to the green and white scrimmage, it was it felt good just being in the stadium again. It's, it was like a part of me that was missing. It's going to be really weird being around that many people all at the same time, but 
it's it's gonna be great and and you can't forget part of that thank you is to the people that donated their uh, season ticket money back to the riders instead of hanging on to it for a year because that was a part of the deal you get welcome back as a rider hero on the field i am not one of them i i'm <laughs> i i good i'm good on them good good that's all i can say I, I i can't say anything bad about people that did that i i sure as hell wouldn't do it but to those that did kudos don't get me wrong they held my money for the entire year <laughs> but i did not let say they can have it so any expectations for pre-game is it just gonna be a, a thank you do you think there'll be a video because you mentioned that you're uh greg you're kind of a a sucker for this all the videos and whatnot i cried at the last game at taylor field when they had the big video up on the on the video board on the Maxtron back then. I, I teared up I teared up at Grey Cup, but the thing that got me is when they zoomed in on that woman, like elderly woman just like bawling tears when she knew we were in the Grey Cup. Then I started tearing up. It, it was it was like when you see someone yawn. Um <laughs> it's 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 gonna be emotional. Of course it's gonna be emotional. People have been locked in their homes for a year and a half essentially. And you know this province loves their rider football. Uh, sometimes excessively, and sometimes it doesn't love you back. But that's life. Usually, it doesn't love you back. <laughs> so it it will it will be emotional, no matter how you slice it. It's going to be emotional. It's it, it's there's going to be that, and there's going to be some play that's going to get everyone out of their seats again, and that roar of the crowd is going to probably give me goosebumps, and then something stupid's going to happen and I'm going to hate football and it's, <laughs> it's going to be a rider game. It's that's, that's just rider football guys. Come on. Before that first play, the route roar of the crowd, the very first bring them out of the season. First one we've had since the 2019 West final. Is this the loudest crowd that you'll ever hear at this stadium at mosaic stadium? The new mosaic? I think that Definitely. Because I think I don't it think will so. Be. I don't really? think so. I don't know why. I I feel like a lot of people aren't going to be really prepared to scream and holler quite yet after after the last year and a half. I think it's going to be loud, but I don't know if it'll top some of the noise we saw at the at the West Final the last time we were there. I mean, I hope so. I hope the the crowd is uh, is amped and ready to go. Because I'll never bring their stupid noise meter. <laughs> I'll never forget the 2013 Grey Cup, how it was just loud the whole time before kickoff, the coin flip, you like all the way through the game, through halftime, it was just constantly, constantly loud. And I feel that's what this is going to feel like anyway. Like, I think this is going to be just a stupid loud and, and, and Steve, I'm going to use your own point against you. I think that because people haven't had it in a year and a half, that it's actually going to make them louder. It's the first time we've been able to do this and we only have seven home games. So if I'm going to waste my voice, I might as well do it. And there's no preseason to get into preseason shape. So maybe you're right. Maybe this is the, they're just going to come out at the, the, the top volume you could imagine and blow the roof off the non-existent roof off the place. But the let's go riders chant is going to start at six o'clock and it is not going to stop until the end of the game. I hope so. That's going to be an absolutely incredible atmosphere. I can't wait to see exactly how it all happens. Um, Greg, you mentioned the green and white game going there with your kids. I want to go back to that briefly. I know it was a couple of weeks ago now, but uh, there were no touchdowns in that game, game in quote quotation marks, scrimmage, glorified practice. Woof. Nobody could score a touchdown. There's a couple of field goals and a rouge on a punt. My only question is going into the season with no preseason, of course, does that have you guys concerned at all that they couldn't even get a scrimmage touchdown? Being there, honestly, there's a couple of factors. One, the defense was flying everywhere. Um, and two, the refs were blowing everything down really, really fast. So even if a guy caught it, if a defender's was within two, like between three and five yards, they're blowing it down. So, no one actually had a chance to escape or anything. So when they're throwing, like, unless they're throwing the ball deep, you weren't going to make any movement anyway. So 
it's really hard to play a scrimmage when you're blowing down things fast, uh, have a running game when they're blowing things down that fast. So that's it, deceiving. Did, did the defense look good? Yes. Did the offense look great? No, but I think it was also misleading. When we see it time and time again, year in and year out, defenses tend to gel a lot faster than, than offenses do. I don't, I don't think it's anything to be concerned about. I think we're going to see some slow offense out of the gate across the league, but give it a couple of weeks and we'll be back to the high flying football that we're used to. So let's take a look at the riders right now. And the big questions, obviously O-line a little bit on the defensive line and linebackers, but I want to go with the Canadians on the team first. It sounds like they're going to start nine Canadians this first game against BC. You got four on the O-line. Logan Furlan's going to start at left guard. Greg, I know Under. you're really happy about that. You know and, I am. Uh, Dan Clark at center. Evan Johnson at right guard. And Brett Boyko at tackle. We can get into how I feel about that in a minute. But uh, four on the O-line. Two receivers. Mitch Pickton and Braden Lenius are going to start. Mac Henry on the defensive line. Mike Adam at safety and Micah tights at linebackers going to be one of the linebackers, nine Canadians starting. I don't even know when the last time this team had eight Canadians starting, let alone nine. It was probably going back to the 2013 season, but I just love how much flexibility this gives the team, especially when, if somebody gets hurt, a Canadian gets hurt, you can replace them with an American player. I definitely think it was back in the, actually it might even go all the way back to the Canadian air force. Last time we had, um nine or even eight sorry but I, I, I you love seeing it though and these aren't these aren't the fake canadians that dave naylor was uh panicking about today on twitter <laughs> either which i'm like didn't we talk about this like i'm i'm certain we talked to this to death already but apparently it's hey it, it's a problem and the canadian game is dying so let's talk about it but no i i'm glad we have this flexibility i I question with that many Canadians, why we need two Canadian receivers, but flexibility, I guess. Um, you think we'd have an American that would outplay maybe Picton in this situation, but I am fine with putting Picton out there. He's a good local kid and had a great camp. So, Well, well look at what Jeremy O'Day's done in the draft the last couple of years, just stockpiling those receivers. It sounds like he wants to go back to that Canadian Air Force. And when you, when you look at it, the idea of starting two Canadian receivers is, is fun, but do, how do we feel about looking or knowing that either Paul McRoberts or Jordan Williams-Lambert is going to sit out every game to get that extra flexibility? Would, wouldn't you want one of them, another one of them on the field? And that was a decision that uh, Craig Dickinson had to make this week because Jordan Williams-Lambert had a well, big giant cut on his hand and had to get that bandaged up in stitches. Um, and Paul McRoberts took his spot with the ones, but now this week in practice, Jordan Williams Lambert is back. So Paul McRoberts, who was another training cap standout again, isn't going to get a shot. And we're, we, we saw this with Naaman Roosevelt when he was sitting on the bench uh, and Jamel Richardson was getting the start as an old guy. And we saw this a couple years ago with uh, Shaq Evans, where he was better than what they were putting out there and they still made him sit on the practice roster. So with the amount of Canadians that they're starting here overall, you can easily find a spot for Paul McRoberts. This is a guy that people I think really want to see. There's been a lot of hype on him and I'd love to see him out there, but I guess uh, they're dead set on two Canadian receivers. And speaking of Canadian receivers, just want to give a little shout out to Jake Hardy uh, making the team. It's nice to see him actually get through training camp healthy and we actually get to see him, whether it's in a rotational role or even just as a backup, but nice that he finally gets the chance to go out there and continue his career as opposed to just getting hurt in training camp. So it's nice of them to give him a, a shot and for him to make the team. Uh, when the, when the rumors came out that sound like Hardy made the team, I was excited because what what a uh, story about never giving up and keep trying, keep going. Like I I admit it. I, if that was me, I probably would have quit. <laughs> like I I would have moved on to the coaching career that he obviously has lined up post football, and I probably would have stuck with that. But he came back another year because he wanted to make this team. 
you can't say anything but positive things about his story. You really hope that he's the guy that comes out and when he gets his chance, absolutely lights it up and, and never loses a spot again. He, uh, he definitely deserves it. Like Greg said, I don't, I don't think I could have continued past a couple of season ending injuries in a row. And then a year off from COVID like we're talking four seasons, three, three years since he's last been on a field. So good, good on him. Yeah. I can't wait to see him out there. And on the offense, let's talk about this O-line and we're, we're going to bring this back later because this is one of, the, one of the main reasons I have to argue with Greg about uh, what we think the Riders record is going to be at the end of the season. But uh, I like the idea of starting four Canadians, like we mentioned already, Logan Furland, Dan Clark, Evan Johnson, Brett Boyko going to start Boyko out at right tackle. And then you have the American Jefferson at left tackle or Taron Vaughn, if Taron Vaughn's actually healthy enough to play. But guys, I am worried about this O-line as much as Logan Furland's a good prospect, we've never seen him in the game. Evan Johnson, good player. He'll be fine at guard. Dan Clark, we know, has actually gotten a lot better in the last few years. We know he'll be good at center. Jefferson's a huge question mark. Brett Boyko, he was terrible for BC in 2019, guys. Absolutely terrible. And yeah, local guy. Love having the local guys on the team, but putting him out at right tackle? Man, I, I don't like this at all. I'd rather see them go with an American at that part, at that spot. Bring back Thad Coleman for all I care. Get somebody out there with experience that has proven themselves that can actually do it. Brett Boyko has not done that, and that has me seriously worried about the offense as a whole. And Cody Fajardo, good thing he likes running because to me, looking at that line, he's going to be doing a lot of it. I'm not as concerned as you are. I think, yeah, Boyko looked terrible in BC, but the entire line looked terrible in PC. Um, they picked it up near the end after they they uh, switched coaching. So I think he'll be okay, especially in a Moss offense where getting the ball out fast seems to be a key component of it. I don't think you're going to see um, Cody doing all those loop-to-dos in the backfield. I hope not. I hope that was the first thing Jason Moss ever said to him was, hi, I'm Jason Moss. Stop turning your back to the damn play. I'm sure there's a lot more F-bombs in there, though. <laughs> Probably. And a Gatorade jug and a yeah. headset being thrown. But I, I I, think this offense is scheme is probably better for Boyko. Well, I hope it is. Because if not, yeah, we, we might be uh, seeing it. Harker Mania might be running a while, brother. We we talked we talked earlier about how there's going to be an argument between the two of you. I'm going to be basically spending this whole episode picking sides. I got to choose to join Alex on this one. Of course, that offensive would. line of scares the absolute hell yeah, out of me. Of course me. he would. Of course well, he, he would. he's right this time. This time exactly. This time this happens. It, it's rare, but it happens. Ouch! It's, like we're talking about what is it? Three or four Saskatchewan products on that old line. That part's kind of cool. But are they good enough to keep Cody Fajardo healthy? I don't care about the where they're from. They just got to be able to play ball. And that first that first game is going to be really telling to uh, to where our whole season goes and how fast somebody picks up the phone and calls uh, Thaddeus Coleman. And this is a group that the, none of these guys have played together at all. Like these are all five brand new guys playing together for the first time. Not even two of them have played together. Clark and Furland, yeah, okay, they practice with each other, but never in a game situation. So the O-line is a lot of times about gelling, and especially after having almost two years off, that's tough. Like, I just – I'm not saying that the season's going down the drain by any means because I don't think so. And, and, Greg, to your point, I think having Jason Moss as the, the offensive coordinator now, that is kind of the X factor, Get and that'd be a huge thing. Get swing passes out to William Powell. Get the little hitches out to Kyron Moore and just get the ball in the playmakers' hands. Let them go out and make plays, which is why they call them playmakers. Way to be redundant, Delix. Um, but I think that's going to mask a little bit of the problems. But when it comes down to it, if they need Cody Fajardo to take four or five full seconds to go through a couple of reads and find a receiver, I don't like his chances. But also, maybe having all this time off and not playing 
actually does good for the O-line where they can kind of just step up and they all just surprise everybody. I really hope that's the case because I'd love to see this O-line absolutely go out there and dominate. And again, to the Jason Moss point, I think we see a lot more William Powell even just running the ball. Because you ask O-linemen, they love running the ball because they're actually going out there and becoming the aggressor, whereas pass protection, it's more protecting. Yeah. It's more passive, exactly. So it's, uh, I think running the ball effectively with uh, William Powell is going to open up a lot. And I think that's kind of what, uh, what Jason Moss is going to have to do. You know, the last time we were this hard on members of the offensive line for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders was probably pre-injury Dan Clark. So I hope I hope this O-line turns out as well as his career has gone since that moment. So, you know, maybe maybe it's that, uh, not what's the opposite of a kiss of death? Maybe that's uh, when we crap talk uh, offensive line, they, they turn it around. <laughs> and never Dare come on dream, the show. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's flip to the defensive side. Big question marks there, obviously, with the linebackers, with all three new starting linebackers, everyone gone from 2019. Remember, <laughs> 2019, Cam Judge, Solomon Alamimian, and Derek Moncrief, all all-stars, a loaded, loaded linebacking core. And now we go to Micah Tights, who hasn't looked out of place. He's not a huge, like, game-breaker by any means. Uh, but 2021 Sam Hurl. Maybe, yeah. That's that's who he is. He's the Canadian linebacker that will make a play but not scrub back there. Yeah, as long as he doesn't go out and make mistakes, I think he'll be just fine. Plus, you have the Herman Reed brothers who can rotate over there with him as well. You have Dion Lacey, who is a proven star in this league, so that's good there. And then they're going with A.J. Hendy, who's kind of a defensive back, so he's going to be playing that Sam position, that cover linebacker position. And you look at the secondary, no questions there, no problems whatsoever when you have Mike Adam, Usha's Purifoy, Nick Marshall, and uh, Ed Ganey there as well. Like, I mean, absolute loaded secondary. And A.J. Hendy, a defensive back in his own, own right, uh, Playing that Sam linebacker. Not his own might. Yeah, that was last week's screw up. (laughs) (laughs) Not going to do that one again. Uh, But question marks there. But I don't think it's as bad as people are making it out to be. A lot of people have big questions or like are just really concerned there. I'm not. This team has never had a problem finding linebackers. Jackie Mitchell, Reggie Hunt. Then you had Kiwana Jones and um, Mo Lloyd. Then Ray Williams. And Look at 2013 when they brought in Diamond Ferry. They had Weldon, Weldon Brown and Mike McCullough was always there. Like they've always found guys. And recently, Jarrell Freeman, Sam Bobbin, Derek Moncrief. I'm not worried at all. I'm not. I'm not worried about our defense at all. I'm really not. I. I'm not. There's not a question mark on that defense. I. You're right. The biggest question mark on this entire team is that O line. Other than that, I think we're pretty good and on the d-line one thing that stuck out to me this week in practice was uh craig dickinson saying that garrett marino uh newcomer to this d-line defensive tackle sounds like he's gonna get lots of work with micah johnson in the middle of that d-line and uh mentioned mac henry probably starting this game but probably won't play the whole game without having a back up behind them for Canadians anyway, Charbel De Beer, of course, on the practice roster. The one move out of all the cuts and and practice roster signings that really surprised me. But I'm looking forward to seeing this guy. And if he can uh, live up to the hype that he's starting to get from the coach with Micah Johnson, if Micah Johnson returns to his 2018 and even late 2019 form, that's going to be just kind of a bully D-line. And I'm excited for that. Well, if you can... uh... Like and that's the joy of having those nine Canadians, even eight Canadians. If you take Mac out of the start, you can start Marino. So you you could have a four man American front, which could eat up a lot of offensive lines. We we looked back last. If you look back to to 2019 with with De Beer and Mac Henry, that they were solid. And if this guy can come in and outplay the outperform them in camp, that is that speaks only to how good he can be. 
I'm I'm with you guys. I'm really excited to see what he and the rest of that D line can do. I'm curious if Keon Adams is as good as we seem to think he is, or if it's just our question marks at O line are uh, as bad as we worry they might be. Well, he was a training camp standout, and all good things said about him. And uh, he was a security guard for a bunch of rappers before, so that was. Is that him or was that Tim Williams? I'm blanking on. Maybe it was Tim Williams. But uh, either way, one of them has seen a lot of crap. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, got AC Leonard on the other end there, all star in his own right. Yeah, see, got it right this time. Uh, I'm not worried about that D line. Do you guys think play is going to be sloppy in this game from both teams? Like, is this gonna, is this actually going to look like a preseason game as opposed to the very first game of the season? A little bit. There's going to be a lot of timing issues, stuff that probably could have been worked through with an actual preseason game. But we're not going to see a bunch of scrubs out there fighting for a chance to stay on the roster. So I, it's it's going to be sloppy because no one's seen real football in 600 days. But I think it's going to be it'll be fine. It's not it's not going to be a a blowout of a game. I don't think. I don't think it'll be a blowout of a game, mostly because I think, uh, as I said before, both defenses are going to come out and, and light it up, and the offenses are going to take their time getting getting going. I think it'll be slightly better than your average preseason, like third, you know, that, not third preseason, this isn't the NFL, but like that second preseason game, a little better than that. Well, there's your opening kickoff presented by Kathy Festion of Royal LePage, Johnner Realty. Let's move to the Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zone. And Greg, here's our chance to uh, argue over the Riders' record. We were hyping this up for a couple of weeks, and I hope it lives up to the hype here. It probably won't. At, probably at, this, at this point, it probably won't because people have been asking when it's going to happen. Kind of like everything else we do. Anyway, 14, <laughs> games, 14 games season, obviously missing the four games this year. So obviously they're going to go 14 and out. So I don't, I don't know why we need to continue on with this. That's the other show. That's, that's Oh, that's, Oh yeah. Sorry. I don't, I don't. You're not allowed to make comments like that. You're not a ginger. My my beard's not red enough, nor is it long enough for that. Yes. (laughs) Of course, Ryan over at the, uh, in the Calgary podcast there, the horseman with the horseman, uh, (laughs) every single year, 18 and 0 win the gray cup every single year. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Josh Smith and, Josh Smith from Podsky Wee Wee joined him this year and and predicted the same for Hamilton. So yeah. <laughs> Hamilton so, might actually go fourteen and zero and win the Grey Cup. <laughs> so, Greg, I'll let you go first. Give me the Riders' record and why. I honestly think they will win at least ten games. At least ten games. They they at will least win. ten. At least ten. Wow. Um, I think Edmonton is overblown. I think we'll basically, with the pos- exception of Hamilton, most likely sweep the East. So I think it's I think it's doable. I I think to me, people are going this team is bad. This team is missing pieces. This team's this. I think the Riders are going to win the West. All you need is three hairs on top of your head, and you're you've gone full Homer. <laughs> that's that's my job. Win the West. Wow. Interesting. Okay. I put this out on social media, so I can't change the the record. And I let me preface this by saying, I really hope I'm wrong here, guys. I have them going seven and seven, but I think that's good enough for a crossover spot. I just feel like, and, and, and this isn't a bad team by any means. The Riders are not a bad team. I feel like this is, there's a lot of talent here. Much like the Danny Barrett era, there was a lot of talent, but they could never get past nine and nine, except for that one kneel on year where they went 11 and seven. But I just think that what we saw in 2019 was a bit of an anomaly. All the starting quarterbacks across the league got hurt. We're not going to see that again. Cody Fajardo, this is only his second year, first year going in as a starter. He's absolutely the right quarterback here. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a very good quarterback. But when you look at what he put in in 17 games last year, well, 16 games because he missed the last one, those are average numbers. 
yeah, he led the league in passing, but everyone was hurt. You got a healthy Michael Riley out in BC, assuming that he's actually going to play this game and he's back to kind of full health. Paul Levi Mitchell in Calgary. His shoulder seems to be fine. He's battling some groin issues, but honestly, he's number two on the top 50 list for a reason. Trevor Harris was on pace for 6,000 yards. That offense, that team in Edmonton is absolutely loaded. And then you got Zach Caleros. Yeah, okay, he only had those four games for Winnipeg last year. I don't trust him to be healthy for a full year by any means. But out of the West, Cody Fajardo is the fourth best quarterback. He has a higher ceiling than the rest of the guys now, but I just don't see him outshining those guys. So I think that there's at least a couple of teams in the West that are better than them. And that includes Edmonton and Calgary for sure. I think the Riders end up battling with BC for that crossover spot. And Winnipeg, so Winnipeg make, making the playoffs? Winni- Winnipeg could, I mean, Winnipeg could finish in third if Claros is healthy. Um, they have a huge question mark with Andrew Harris, how long he's going to be out with this calf injury. They have Darvin Adams out. He had an and, no, he's just still at that appointment that he took on the first day of, of training <laughs> camp. He's still, he's still at the appointment. So, like, there's just, I mean, the West is so good. And when oh, you the, look the, at the Don't get me wrong. The West is a hard division. But I, I honestly think the Riders are a lot better than people think they are. And I'm, not, I'm really not trying to be a homer here. But, but yet you're succeeding. I yeah, I know. That's what I but do. Steve, at, that's what I do, Steve. I set the bar low and I overachieve every time. <laughs> well, you look at their schedule. They have what six of their first eight games are at home, and then you only have one of the final six games at home. That's a tough back half of the schedule, especially when a couple games are in Calgary. You have a game in Montreal, which, other than when it gets stopped halfway through the game, that's a tough place for the Riders to ever play. Is in Montreal, and I then you have the Elks. I wonder why. Why, why is it yeah. so hard to play in Montreal? <clears throat> St. Catherine Street, um, and then uh, you end off the season with Edmonton and Hamilton for the final three games. Like those are tough teams, probably going to lead the league and wins those two teams. Like that's a really, really tough back half. If this team doesn't start out six and two, I can't see them finishing any better than eight and six. And they always have. The one game where they just seem to give it away. God, I hope it's not against Ottawa, but I just have a feeling because that Ottawa game at home is on my birthday, they're going to disappoint me. Oh, don't I'm get me wrong. Gonna... I, I I looked. That was the game at the East. I'm like, that's the one we're going to lose to to the East. Like, the the I... Riders over the last, what, well, 30 years have had a habit of figuring out how to play down to their competition or up to their competition, no matter who they're playing. They're going to lose to Ottawa. I, I would wager more money than I care to admit on that happening. Well, you can do that now legally, or, or uh, it'll be a tie, or it will be a tie, knowing Ottawa. No, that's Calgary and that's Calgary and Ottawa. I know. I'm just saying Ottawa has a lot of ties. But I just I, I don't want to feel like I'm a pessimist here, but I've been a fan of this team for too damn long that I know better than to expect the best out of them all the time. And I mean, I I really think they beat BC on Friday night, but. You got Hamilton at home. I don't know if they beat them or not. Ottawa, I just said they probably find a way to lose it. Labor Day, okay, well, that's guaranteed win day. Banjo Bowl, toss. That's, toss a coin, that's literally a coin flip, yep. Yeah. Um, Toronto at home, they should win that. But then you get BC, Calgary, Calgary, Calgary. That, that's, two of those that, on the that, road. Well, yeah, that, that, that three set against Calgary, uh, I basically have them split at home, and then that last game was a coin flip. And then you get Montreal, Edmonton, Edmonton, Hamilton. Like that's a bad, tough half, like tough second half of the season. So I really hope I'm wrong on the seven and seven and they actually go with 10 and four, maybe if they could pull a couple of those out and that would put them in great position to host a playoff game. But I just, I don't see it happening, but. But here's, here's my thing though. You look at what the, the weapons the riders have on offense. Look at the weapon, weapons the Riders have on defense. The, the only question mark is that offensive line. If that offensive line can put it together, there's no reason why they can't shock this league. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah um, Trevor Harris looks like he is a Greek god and got better in better shape somehow. Uh, that's the, the, what, the Tom, Tom Brady system he's on. Yeah, he actually went flew to Foxborough 
uh, just outside of Boston and met with Tom Brady's trainers and got the whole TB12 diet and what Tom Brady's doing down in Tampa Bay to keep his career going. And he's doing that himself. Like, and But yeah, you got Michael Riley already banged up. Bo Levi Mitchell is fighting an injury every year, it seems. You got Caleros. You don't know what he's got. Andrew Harris, who is Winnipeg's biggest threat. No one knows what's going to happen with him. And I, I, I'm not even going to make the joke. But there's a way he can recover. Let's put it that way. There's, there's, there's a way he can get back into you're a change man. Jeez. What has this offseason done to you? <laughs> you know, one right over the plate. You got to take that, man. Oh, it's, well, you know. 3 0 pitch, fastball down the middle. You got to swing, dude. Well, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I'm just picturing the scene from uh, um, Varsity Blues and the guy come, uh, Mox comes in and don't you dare stick that in his knee. But no, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> I'm picturing a different scene from Varsity Blues. Oh yeah, well anyone else can, and uh, <laughs> and but just remember, he does not want your life. But <laughs> I, yeah, the Riders don't look. Some of the other teams look better on paper, but they also have their issues. But yeah, you, you're based Michael Riley. Yeah, great quarterback in this league. Bo Levi Mitchell, great resume. Yeah, Cody Fajardo caught lightning in a bottle, but I don't think he's – I don't think he's – it's a one-year wonder for him. I, I think this team is not getting the respect they deserve for winning the West last time. Well, I don't think they caught lightning in a bottle with Cody Fajardo. I think he's the right guy <clears throat> at the right time here with the Riders, and he's a very good quarterback. Don't get me wrong. He's just not – it's too small of a sample size for me to go off of one year Let's see what he can do this year as well, too. And I think he's the perfect quarterback here, especially home Grey cup in 2022. They'll, they'll be a very competitive team, but hey, go on Twitter. Tell us at Piffles Pod. What do you think the Riders record is going to be? So hit us up on Twitter for that. Um, I guess I'm our... just going to take this moment to, to throw my numbers out there. You, you guys had your chance Nobody to, to. No one cares about me. you. No one cares Nobody about asked. you. Fine, I quit. <laughs> hey, Steve, what do you think the Riders' record is going to be? Yeah, what, yeah. See, what, oh, what I'm glad record? you asked. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter really what you good think. Arguments. <laughs> you both put up really good arguments, Alex. You were more passionate about your arguments. Greg just happens to be more right this time. And I realize me picking the more, the more optimistic side is the biggest shock on brand. since on Andrew brand. Harris's failed drug test. But I'm I'm gonna go with Greg on this one. I think the Riders finish nine and five, ten and ten and four, somewhere in that range, and are fighting for top in the West. I hope you guys are right. I really, really do. I just realized now that Steve said that, I'm I'm screwed. <laughs> Well, let's uh, move hey, on. I'm, here. I'm right at least once in a while. So we're broken something clock. about a broken clock. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's get to our uh, Piffles memories here. And uh, one that came in, tell us, pick one game. Tell us what you remember about it, guys. Someone sent in the 2013 West Final Riders in Calgary for that game. Before I share my memories of that, what do you guys remember from that? It was my birthday. Um, that was a good I, birthday gift. It was a very good birthday gift. Uh, West, I wasn't at the game. We had the West final party at my house here in Regina. It was shortly after I bought my house here in Regina. And yeah, it was a great time. I was, I had a few wobbly pops. I just remember the strip, the strip. I can't remember who did it. I just remember the Calgary guy with sleeves and they made a big deal about the rider players not wearing sleeves because they didn't want to look. They wanted to grip on the ball and the rider came under, came underneath and popped that ball loose. And it was just off the races after that. Was that Mo Price? I think it was Mo I Price. I think it was Mo mentioned. Price. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's See? what I remember. You know, I, I remember we're so used to going into Calgary and having these tight games and, and not really knowing how the game's going to play out almost from the opening kickoff that there was no question on that game. The Riders just seemed to have something extra there. They knew they were winning that game from the moment 
from basically from kickoff and uh, and just kept kept it going. I, I remember it being a two or three score lead at halftime and just knowing already at halftime that the riders were were playing at home in the Grey Cup. That that feeling is unheard of in Saskatchewan. We don't get to feel like that. But it was Except after. After, but it, like it, it, that that feeling was transferred over from the week prior at the semifinal, when Darian Durant decided, "Screw it, I'm winning this game by myself," and no one could take him down. Like he was a man possessed, and after that, the team just went with him. I'll go back a week earlier than that, than the semifinal, the very last game of the regular season. It came down to Calgary at BC. A meaningless game for Calgary, playing a whole bunch of their starters still. For some reason, they lost both their defensive tackles to season-ending injuries. And right then, I knew, okay, well, the Riders are going to play BC at home in the playoffs. We'll win that semifinal game. I'm pretty confident in that. This is kind of a team of destiny here that we've seen. And then they're going to go into Calgary and absolutely just demolish them. I, I had no doubts. Now, when we get to that, semi-final yeah I remember being super super nervous especially in the third and fourth quarter when you know before Darian Durant started just running the ball himself and, and turning the game around like they, they just couldn't get anything going I was like oh no this is our chance to have the breakup at home and we're gonna blow it in the playoff game here and not even get a chance to get to the game itself of course Durant turns the game around and, and wins the game and and once, once that final whistle went, I'm like, that's it. We'll see you guys back here in two weeks. Because I knew with Cordy Sheets and the way that he was running all season long and the crap that John Cornish was talking about Cordy Sheets, about how he was so much better. He was the best running back in the league. I'm like, you guys don't have a D-line. You have absolutely nothing for defensive tackles. And what did Cordy Sheets do? Almost ran for 200 yards that West final and just dominated. I knew that was going to happen. So I just remember watching that game. I think it was just at home with Amy, just uh, watching the game in our apartment. And I just knew the whole time, like, it's over. It's not even going to be a competition. And I think I think Rob Bag had a touchdown at the end of the first half where they didn't even cover him. It was a six-yard like six pass to the end zone. But the guy was 10 yards off. Like, what are you guys doing? Calgary clearly, clearly doesn't want to win. And then the defense, you guys mentioned that uh, the turnover there on, on Mo Price, the defense came to play. That was <laughs> one of the best defensive performances I've seen from this team. And it was just, wasn't even close. And then Corey Sheets just taking over in the fourth quarter, scoring a couple touchdowns there at the end. It was just, and we knew it. We knew it. You know, so much was was said about Corey Sheets' Grey Cup performance. I mean, obviously, he broke a, a CFL record Grey Cup Sunday. But so few people do talk about his his game in Calgary the week before. You're absolutely right. He destroyed that D-line. That's the worst thing about Sheets is his sample size is so small that he probably won't get the props he deserves in this league. Well, and he went to the NFL right after that, of course, got hurt with the, uh, I think it was the Achilles injury yep. with the Raiders. And I remember him talking on, on the radio one day or a couple of years ago, and they asked about that. And he goes, I have one regret in my life, and that's actually going back to the NFL. I had a sure thing here in the CFL. Who knows how long I could have been playing here in Saskatchewan. Obviously, you have to take that shot at the NFL, and you'll never fault a guy ever for that. But just the way that it kind of played out and how it happened. He goes, if I would have known that I wouldn't have laughed. I mean, it's easy to look back with, with perfect 2020 vision in hindsight and say, I wouldn't have gone, but I don't think there's a football player alive that doesn't make that choice that he did. And he absolutely earned it between his regular season and, and postseason performance that year. He, he deserved a good shot in the NFL and it sucks that he got hurt because I would have loved to see what he could do. Uh, with a chance down there all right guys before i get into my rant of the week is there anything else you guys want to get to because <laughs> i just want to get this over with so we can go to bed and be one day closer to cfl football ah yes one one sleep then after after tonight then right yes well we're, we're all old so probably two sleeps nap time oh i wish i'm you know how much i miss those afternoon naps my god <laughs> 
life was changed. Let me tell you that an afternoon nap every day. Kids don't know how good they've got it with the la- with, with their being forced to take naps. Man, if somebody forced me like at work, hey, go take a nap. You're cranky. Okay, no problem. <laughs> That's all it takes. <laughs> yeah, my productivity would shoot through the roof. Okay, so I kind of teed this up a couple weeks ago. That I was going to rant about the riders' theme nights that they announced just a couple weeks ago. And it's not so much that I hate the theme weeks. I just really feel like they just mailed it in. They looked at what they've done before and they're like, yeah, sure, let's just go ahead with that. So let's start with the beginning. Seven home games. First game this Friday, welcome home is what they're calling it. Special pregame and halftime ceremonies. Thank you to healthcare heroes. But they brand it with, hey, we're going to have the first bring them out experience in 21 months. Well, yeah, we do that every single game. What makes this more special than anything else? Like, look what Edmonton's doing with the Elks. They're giving away 35,000 free t-shirts in the we, stands. We, Not we, we can buy that. one. And we'll get to that in a little bit. But I, I, I understand that there's obviously clearly the marketing difference here. Edmonton is coming in with a brand new team name and logo. And you really want to get people just an Elks merchandise so that they get used to the logo and they see it. And they're like, yeah, this is cool. I got a free shirt. So, hey, maybe I'll go get the matching hat. I get that. I understand that there's that component to it. You're telling me after how many years or like almost two full years off, they couldn't do something? That the riders couldn't do something? I understand money's tight and everything. But if you have a sold out crowd and things seem to be normal here in Saskatchewan in terms of football now, then... There could have been something that they can do, even if it's, hey, we you still encourage mask use, give it out a free mask. Like, who cares? I don't like whatever. Give it another shoelace for all I care, since we don't get anything with our season tickets this year. But, but you can, like you mentioned, get a new T-shirt, Saskatchewan Tough, that you can buy at the Rider Store. Where have I heard Saskatchewan? I, I think I, I think I've seen something like that before. That sounds very very familiar. <laughs> and, and if you Google Rough Riders and Saskatchewan Tough. Our, 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 our t-shirt is up there. I was in there with the, uh, was that our banjo bowl or was that our, uh, our fan contest a couple of years that, ago? That was our fan contest. Fan contest. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I wonder where they saw that before. Anyway. So there's really nothing. It was just like, Hey, welcome back. Cool. That's not a theme night. Country night, August 14th against Hamilton. Okay. They've done this before. That's in lieu of country thunder because we don't have that there. So put that cowboy hat and boots to use as we celebrate all things country. People aren't showing up in cowboy hats and boots. They're showing up in their rider gear. They're showing up in a rider jersey. They're not wearing cowboy flannel, like anything like that. They're not going to do that. The music, whatever, I get it. Cool, they're going to have a halftime concert. It's probably going to be Jess Moskaluk. It's going to be someone that's here all the time anyway, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that, but we've seen it before. It's happened all the time. August 21st against Ottawa. Come on, that should be Alex Day. That's my birthday. Instead, it's family family day presented by Ruffles. Are they actually going to give everybody a free bag of chips, a mini bag of chips? Because they should. If they don't, then why is it being presented by Ruffles? You're going to get a free QCX entry with a ticket. Hey, that's cool. I'm fine with that. That's all right. Get people out there and spending money at Everaz Place. And so Real can make all their money and all that. Saskatoon's Rider Flow Dance Crew. Hey, I thought that was great. I really like what they did before, but that's your theme. That's there's nothing to it. What, what labor day. Okay. Well, you don't really need a theme for labor day. It's labor day. Right. So I understand them not doing anything that day other than just having the party in the park kicking off at one o'clock with a 4 PM start. So there's plenty of time to get, uh, um, lubricated. Yes. Um, that day. The next home game, September 17th. So this is more than a month after the Labor Day game. And it's the lights out game where they're bringing back a fan favorite to watch them come out in the dark. Is the game being played with lights out? What's the theme there? Are they coming out with black jerseys? If that's the case, that's pretty cool. That'd be a great theme. But you're just doing an entrance before the game and at halftime with the lights out. That's not a theme. That's just whatever that's a, that's just a one-off to me like come on guys that's just lowering your electricity bill <laughs> the pink game i have nothing bad to say about the pink game everyone go out there buy the pink stuff support 
the Cancer Foundation of Saskatchewan. I'm all for that one. That's also the Plaza of Honor induction ceremony. You get to see the guys, whoever makes the Plaza of Honor at halftime. That's cool. I got nothing wrong with that one. Fan appreciation night. We're going to have the Capital Auto Body or Auto Mall car giveaway. They do that every year. I understand sponsorships. That's part of the contract and whatnot. But we've seen it. Unless you're one of the 10 people that are in there, you don't really care. Unless you know somebody that's going to win a car. I don't care. I don't want to see that. That's boring. And that's just a halftime thing. That's not a theme for the whole game. What are you going to do all game long? And there's nothing here in any of these that says what a theme is actually going to be about other than country night where, hey, we're going to play country music all game long. So it's just they mailed it in. There's no creativity whatsoever. And that's what's been bothering me about this organization as a whole in the last couple of years. Honestly, since 2013, after they won the Grey Cup, let's throw a rider sticker on it. People will buy it. And yes, it works. But they can do so much better than that. If they put any kind of investment into their marketing strategy, they could make so much more money. And then they wouldn't be going and saying, we're in a crisis mode, like we heard Craig Reynolds say over the last year and a half. They dipped into their reserves, and thank goodness they have all the reserves that they were able to survive the pandemic and, I mean, only lose X amount of money, $7.5 million, whatever it was. So I guess that's a win there, but riders please be creative you guys employ so many people you can't tell me someone doesn't have a better idea than this they mailed it in you're not wrong and these aren't themes they are promotions um but yeah like it's and everyone knows when it comes to me i i think of brands i think of things to do to further what you already have and None of this does that. Like, yeah, country night, sure, fine. But yeah, you're right, blackout night. Okay, we're doing blackout, which is awesome. But it doesn't really, it's not a theme. You're right, they're not themes. They are game day promotions. But why are you even, like, what's the point of even doing this? What's the point of even announcing seven so-called themes if they're not themes? Are they going to sell be... tickets because of these? Are you telling me that they're going to sell thousands of walk-up tickets for the remaining seats for all these games by saying, Hey, we're going to do a fan appreciation where we already have our like winners already predetermined. That's not going to sell tickets country theme. That's not going to bring people in. Like it's great. They have a halftime concert and that's fine. It just adds to the experience and I, I enjoy them, but that's not, unless you're bringing in a huge, huge name, which you're probably not going to do anyway for just a halftime show for a regular season game. That's probably not even going to be the halftime isn't even televised. Like it's not going to sell tickets and their whole promotion, like to have a theme night that should get people to the stadium. So they can go and spend a boatload of money on merchandise and food and concessions and whatnot. And they're not doing that. Remember when everyone used to skewer the former uh, franchise in Edmonton? Uh, when they would do these uh, concerts and it was supposed to be bringing people in and everyone would just like go after Len Rhodes for being the dumbest man on the planet and it didn't work and we're copying it now. Like these, these people come to football games to watch football. Do they come for the extra stuff? Yes, of course they do. But no one's coming just to see, watch Jess, Jess Moskaluk sing a couple songs. You might sell one or two tickets that way, but you're not actually going to sell a lot of tickets. If they want to go, know. if they want to go see Jess Mosklu, they're going to go next time she plays in town. I can't decide which is worse: the riders' attempt at planning theme nights that aren't really themes, or the former uh, organization or former owners in Ottawa back when they were the the Renegades throwing things like their Mardi Gras night. And I was just going to bring that up, Mardi Gras night. I'm not saying that, or suggesting that they should go out and do something stupid like that, but something like that having that creativity hey let's do this whatever night 70s night everybody loves 70s you know what take a look at the organization up the road up highway 11 in saskatoon they have superhero night they have disco night they have 70s night and you know what the crowd gets into it because it's an actual theme that you can latch on to i went up to a game dressed as a as a jedi for superhero night had nothing to do with superheroes it was just i could dress up and there was a ton of people dressed up, right? Like, 
if you if they do it properly, it gets fans involved and gets gets it talked about. But the way they've chosen to do it, nobody will remember that there were theme nights this year. The goal Period. should be to get the casual fan in the stands. That's what the whole goal should be because you already have your hardcores. They have the season tickets anyway. They're going regardless. They're not there for these promotional nights. That's who you need to hook is the casual fan that is like, yeah, I like football. It's okay. Oh, hey, that's pretty cool. Maybe we can, you know, 70s or 80s nights or whatever. Hey, grab the boys, have a girls night out, whatever it is. Go out and just have fun. Get tickets in pill country, even just the cheapies, but get them in there. And then all of a sudden, hey, this is a great game. That's a lot of fun. Let's do that again next week. Yeah, absolutely. That's what they need to be marketing towards. And it's just frustrating to me seeing the business side of it and them just not caring. And this is the team that makes the most money. It's like, guess what? Revenue share is coming next season. Randy Ambrosi has said that. It's coming next year. So you're not just making money for yourself. You're making money for the whole league now. And as the, the lead franchise, I guess, they got to do something. Your, your biggest um, theme night is having a good football team. If you have an entertaining winning football team, you will sell tickets. The rest of the stuff is bells and whistles, and it's a ton of fun. Don't get me wrong. Like, I remember the hot, the, the hot tub in the corner of the university section. Ballsy and, sucks. And chanting Ballsy, Ballsy sucks. <laughs> and it was fun. Like, we, we, that's what that's that's the theme night we need. We need a ballsy sucks night. I will be there. <laughs> I will gladly. I'm sure Mark Johnson will gladly uh, join in on that one. Say, don't we have a ballsy sucks morning every <laughs> single morning, five days a week? Did I say that out loud? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that because I want to see Mark Johnson beat him in that uh, boxing match. Oh, I think I, uh, <laughs> when I asked him who was going to wrap him in the ring, I was hoping he was going to ask me. I would gladly do it. I, I, I'm sure I could come up with a few uh, rhymes to ballsy sucks. <laughs> no, you're right. Winning cures everything, and, and that's what gets people out to the park. But if you're going to catch casual fans, do more than this. That's all I'm saying is that it's it's stuff that's been done before and it's just recycled and people will get bored of it. And you're not going to see people come in in droves just to have that one night out. It's, it's just not going to happen. Not when ticket prices are always like I think the ticket prices are high because what I've seen, at least in Mosaic Stadium, is is a lot of people that have the premium seats are downgrading and now the end zone seats are all sold out because they're all season ticket holders. These are people who are in the silvers that are like, you know what? The view is almost the same and I'm going to save 400 bucks a year. Yeah, of course I'm going to move to the end zone. So I literally, I literally hopped the aisle from green to white and saved a thousand dollars. So four seats. just, just in terms of how they're pricing people out of watching the game. And if you want to go with your family to family day, okay, well two parents, two kids, four tickets, you got to make that affordable. All of a sudden, that's a $300 day because the kids are going to want popcorn and pop and whatnot. And hey, you got to get them a hat. And oh, they want to, you know, get something to cheer with. You got to get them that. And okay, well, I need a new shirt too. So all of a sudden, you're buying all, like, which is good. You're buying all this, but people can't afford that. Green and white game. I told you guys this uh, off air. Two hats, two foam fingers, a nacho, a popcorn, and a drink for dad to get him through the game. Uh, 150 bucks. Unreal. I, I, I almost like, wow, I forgot about this part of the game. <laughs> I don't want to be that pessimist already because I'm so excited that we have football back and I'm just so excited that we do have football back, but just little things are just bugging me that they could do so much better in. And sorry, I'm being so negative about everything, the Riders record and the theme nights and everything, but it's been I, a while. I, I think my favorite part about doing this show is watching you go from the eternal optimist back in the, the the first few episodes to this this wizened old man with the get off my lawn attitude. It's fantastic. It it entertains me every time. That's what I'm here for, Steve. <laughs> well, anyway, let's get to our game picks of the week. We have Hamilton at Winnipeg. Does Hamilton ruin the banner ceremony? Oh, yeah. In blowout fashion. I won't go so far as they blow up, but I think it'll be a 10-point Hamilton win. 
BC at Saskatchewan. Is there any chance the Riders lose this game? No. Of course there is, but they yeah, won't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, quickly going back to the Winnipeg-Hamilton game, the only thing that might help um, Winnipeg is uh, Hamilton's offensive line is banged up. So Willie's probably going to eat. Oh, well, he's been nursing a bit of an ankle injury. He'll play, but I don't know. It'll be interesting. To see. I, I don't see Hamilton losing. Both no. teams are going into that game pretty banged up on the injury report. By the way, can I just say how awesome it is with single game betting to get these injury reports ahead of games where players are actually out or not before the depth chart comes out? And, and you don't right. have Michael. And you don't have Mike O'Shea giving us BS. Oh, yeah, he's just a little nicked up. Or Chris Jones was bad at that here. And, oh, yeah, he's just nicked up. And all of a sudden, he's on the six-game list. And, like, what? So they're finally giving us full participation reports, which is great. It's what we see in the NFL. And that's only good news because they'll get more people, obviously, betting and fantasy football, all that kind of stuff, and get the people involved. So good stuff there. Um, anyway, to finish off BC and Saskatchewan, yes, the Riders win this one. Calgary, home to Toronto, the new look Argonauts. Do you think they go into Calgary and upset the Stamps? I do. I, I've gone back and forth on this really? one so much. I, I don't see Calgary losing at home. I just Toronto is really good on paper, but if I learned anything after watching Chris Jones' his first year here, papers on team don't usually don't do that well. I, I think Calgary is going to win at home. I think it's going to be tighter than people think. I'm one of those, you hear a lot about teams rebuilding like they have and needing a lot of time to gel. And Toronto's going to be that team. They're going to need a few weeks to really gel as a group. But when you, when you play your first game with a new team, you want to show up. And there are a lot of first-year guys, or first-year Argos on that roster. I think they're going to show their potential before they fall back in the weeks to come. I think they win by more than a touchdown. Wow. Is, is this the year that the Calgary Stampeders finally fall off? They lost a lot on both sides of the ball over the last two off seasons. I know I say it every year, but yeah, this is the year they, uh, <laughs> they fall back and they fell back last uh, in 2019. They got sacked. So I wasn't wrong. Technically. <laughs> we know at least that, that Ryan will be wrong. They won't go 18 and 0. This is true. Calgary will win. They'll find a way to just kind of pull it out. It'll be close. I agree with that. It'll actually be a pretty tight game, but Bully by Mitchell, he'll find a way to just squeak it out at the end somehow. And then the final game of the week, I think we're probably going to all be in agreement on this. Ottawa at Edmonton. Uh, this will be the first win for the Edmonton Elks, right? Ottawa well, by double digits. Yeah, I thought no. we all had Ottawa. I will <laughs> bet you my, I will put my mortgage on that. <laughs> you know what? This is the CFL and any given Sunday, as it were, not this Sunday, not more than one or two Sundays this entire year for, yeah. for that Red Blacks team. No, no lead is safe unless you're playing the Ottawa Red Blacks. Um, I, that team is bad. And like I said, teams on paper, you, you can't take that, any, but that team is bad. I, I, I love Lapo as a head coach, but this could be a rough season for him. Elks by at least 14. I'm with you. That Red Blocks team is garbage, man. Like, looking at that team outside of, like, two players, I have no idea who anybody is. This is a bad, bad team. I would not be surprised if they go 0-14. I really wouldn't be surprised. This is a team that should lose every single game by double digits. And with that, gentlemen, we have a football season. We're actually talking about football and not just speculating. We actually get to see stuff absolutely happen, and we're going to see that starting, well, by the time people hear this tonight, Thursday night, we'll have a uh, very first CFL game of the season. Of course, the Ryder game on Friday. We'll see everybody there, and uh, come say hi if you see us. You guys watching the game tomorrow night? Of course. Of course. Yeah. Love it. I got family over, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll throw it on TSN or the farm or something and uh, we'll, we'll have it on for sure. It's the first time in over 600 days. We have a chance to see CFL football. I'm not missing out on that. This might be the most watched regular season game in CFL history. That won't include the riders. Yeah. (laughs) 
Well, that does it for us this week here on the Piffles Podcast, your premier Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast. Thanks for joining us. Piffles Podcast is brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Special thanks as well to Kathy Festion of Royal Page Regina Realty and Churchill Brewing Company for their support making this show possible. We're a proud member of the CFPN, the Canadian Football Podcast Network, and a part of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. Uh, make sure you guys check out the website, pifflespodcast.com. Steve, you had your uh, power rankings out there. We won't give them away on the show, so go check out the power rankings there on the website. And I also made some uh, bold predictions on uh, who I think wins the Grey Cup and most outstanding player as well. So check that out, pifflespodcast.com. We'll see you guys at the game on Friday. This is Ghost Behind Your Mind, Tyler Gilbert. The ghost behind your